Like, yeah, we're just absolutely crushing this. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I'm happy to talk to you. I'm happy to see you. Happy to see you too. It's so nice, oh. like being here doing this, talking to I an know. adult. <laughs> oh my god. What if I have a meltdown though? What if I'm oh, just like, if you even start to cry, I'm hanging just, up. I'm sorry. I've I'm run like, out of patience. I wanted to be line leader. <laughs> I wanted to tell my story first. <laughs> Well, welcome to Disastrous, <laughs> the show where um, we talk about disasters that are sometimes bigger and sometimes smaller than Hannah's kindergarten class. Yep. <laughs> but it's always a range in there. Like, that's it's always all- a nice marker. I'm always comparing things to that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, too. Um, yes, well, I'm Amanda. And I'm Hannah. And we're going to do a little talking about disasters today. Yay. Um, I'm sorry that I missed last week. I really, uh, I risked it for the biscuit and, uh, I, I bet wrong. So <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. All good. It happens, <laughs> you know? All right, let's get into it. So our theme yeah. today is riots. Um, mm-hmm. and I decided, I knew Amanda might go a little heavy, so I decided to go a lighter route. Um, And then it ended up revealing a lot of truths about the world and society that um, we need to confront. Okay. (laughs) You know, the lighter route. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It kind of turned around a little bit. (laughs) So it's a sports-adjacent riot. Um, There have been a lot of sports riots through history. Uh, I found out Mm -hmm. that the first one was in 532 A.D., after a chariot Stop. race. <laughs> That's like the first recorded one we have. Do you know what they were rioting about? I think it was actually like political upheaval, but they were like, okay. ah, sports are good. <laughs> sports are around. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So a lot of the rides that happen are like in Philly and Boston, like whether their team wins mm-hmm. or loses, like they're burning something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, it's crazy. Like I'm... It makes me, like, nervous to go to, like, if I wanted to go to, like, a game up in, like, Philly or Boston, I'd be like, I'm scared. Should I I wear a helmet? (laughs) It's like, try and get out before, like, the last 10 minutes of the game. (laughs) Win or lose. Right, right. Get out of there. (laughs) Just Um, run. So this riot, it it requires kind of two schools of knowledge. Disco Mm. and baseball. Uh, (laughs) Mm. Yeah, right? Okay. So I didn't see those two going together. I know. They it turns out they don't. Okay, great. <laughs> so Nailed disco, kind of just to like broad strokes it, disco as a genre kind of evolved in the late 1960s and through the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like really the foundation for a lot of like the EDM we see today, a lot of like house music, um, all that kind of stuff. And it began in like big cities like New York City and then a little bit of Philly, I think, too in underground dance clubs of like Hispanic, African American and LGBT communities. So it's like really entrenched in like that kind of space and history. Um, So, you know, you got like Donna Summer, Cool in the Gang, Gloria Gaynor. Nice. Ooh, I love Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. So as like what usually happens with culture that like queer people of color make, it became mainstreamified, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, everything belongs to queer people of color in the end. Yeah, and then, you know, straight white people just co-opt it, and we're like, yeah, we made that. And And we're like, like, yes, queen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. God, we're awful. I'm part of the problem. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so then, like, in... 1977 Saturday Night Fever comes out the movie with John Travolta Mm -hmm. and it just like skyrockets it's the only thing on the radios it's all we're listening to disco disco everywhere yeah disco disco in the air you know yeah so I'm like yeah yeah, you're right (laughs) well sorry I was just having a flash to um did you ever see The Martian no um it's great with um, um Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Yeah. And there's like 
a bunch of disco throughout that movie because it's the oh, only fine. music he has while he's like stranded on Mars. Oh, fine. So yeah, there's like, he's got like 2000 disco songs or something like that. So, yeah. <laughs> so I like times magazine deemed it diabolical thump and shriek. Which I'm like, people didn't well, love it always, I guess. I know. I was like, well, we like it. Um, nice. <laughs> So the other side of the story is baseball. Baseball okay. in the 70s is actually like a little less popular than the decades before. A lot of like mm-hmm. attendance was down and that was definitely true for the Chicago White Sox. They were having okay. an absolute flop of a season. Um, their owner, Bill Veek, was known for using promotions to attract fans. And his son also, his son Mike, was the promotions director for the White Sox in 1979. And Mike okay. also loves a publicity stunt. So he decided to hold a disco demolition night on July 12th, 1979 at Kaminsky Park in Chicago. Okay. Disco demolition. That doesn't sound... It's not pro-disco. For as popular yeah. as it was, there was a really big wave of like anti-disco too. To me, that is just so fascinating to be, like, anti... A music genre? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's... uh, Because you're just like, oh, it's, like, ruining our society kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I think, like, a lot of, like, the cultural stuff with disco, too, was, like, more effeminate men and, like, more... Like, women in pants, you know? Oh, the world is collapsing. Oh, God. So, like, people were like, I want to listen to rock and roll and wear T-shirts and jeans that I've worn for eight straight days, you know? (laughs) Whatever makes you happy. Right? (laughs) But, like, truly, like, calm down about the disco. Calm down. Nobody cares. Well, that's not true. Clearly people care, but. So, it's a doubleheader night. There are two games, uh, the Chicago White Sox versus the Detroit Tigers. And in between those two games, Veek promised that uh, this radio uh, shock jock, uh, mm-hmm. what is it, shock jock, shock jockey? Is that what you say? Yeah. Um, basically, like, they say really, or, like, they have, like, a really intense style. Yeah. Can, and they're, yeah, like, okay. explicit and, like, nasty, nasty yeah. boys. Yeah. Like, um, who... Sorry, who's the guy with the curly hair? Like the OG guy with the podcast. And he used to oh, be like really crude. It's not Mark Marin, is it? No, it's... Sorry, I I shouldn't reference things I don't know about. Because I'm like, no, he was really... <laughs> but he was like really gross on the air and everybody loved it. Um, but then know. he like went to therapy and shit. I'll get back to you. Let's do it. <laughs> So they promised that this radio shock jock Steve Dahl would be there to blow up some records. Now, Steve Dahl was like pro rock and roll. He was actually fired from the station WDAI on Christmas Eve because he like wasn't. I know. (laughs) It's pretty rough. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. He must have done something bad. So basically he the station was like transitioning to be disco-y. And he was like, okay. no, I refuse. Rock and roll is my lifeblood. I know. Get like, a different job then, I guess. But, like, it's kind of an unspoken rule that you don't fire somebody on Christmas Eve. Like, I know. It's, it's pretty a rude. Little, little fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, sorry, dad can't bring home any presents this year. Exactly. Daddy got fired like, from the coal mine. You have to tell your wife on, like, Christmas Day when your kids are opening their presents. Be like, by the way. I did get fired. Um, These are the last presents you'll get for a while. <laughs> so we're going to cancel that vacation. And uh, all right, well, I'm going to go take a drive. See, honey, I need your diamonds back. Um, <laughs> so he got like rehired on WLUP. Uh, again, like that crude, like expletive ridden, you know, making fun of disco. There's an instance mm-hmm. where like, uh, this one disco artist had died and he played one of his songs and like did like a record stra- scratch and like an explosion noise. And oh I'm my like, God. I know. It's like That's taking it gross. a step further than I ever yeah. need. 
I don't. Uh, I mean, there yeah. wasn't like Twitter back then. Otherwise, he would have lost. Yeah. Everyone would have lost their minds. But. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, my God. We have to talk about Twitter, by the way. I'm sorry. Just oh, fucking. Girl. I, I love how you were like, I set up a Twitter for us. And then like two weeks later, it was like. <laughs> and then two weeks later, driven into the ground. Never mind. Like, oh, Oopsies. Never mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he had this like group of fans that he, they proclaimed as like an anti-disco army. Um. And Dahl was like, we're locked in a war dedicated to the eradication of the dreaded musical disease known as disco. Please get a hobby, Mm -hmm. sir. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Please. Yeah, sure. This isn't a real problem. Honestly. And that's the thing is it's like, you know, as we go with this story, like it means so much to certain communities. But Mm -hmm. like, why does hating it mean so much to you? Yeah, I don't. I don't understand, like, hating something that, like, doesn't really affect you. I know. Or, like, I get hating certain things. I get that because it normally, like, affects me or the people that I love. Yeah. But, like, when people are like, oh, I love pumpkin spice lattes. And I'm like, I hate pumpkin spice lattes. How dare you like it? Like, gives a shit. It's like, let people like what they like. I know, right? (laughs) Like, just, are they hurting anybody? Uh, okay, then fuck off. So it's July 12th, 1979. They have Steve Dahl to blow up these records at, you know, between the two games. Um, because the station that Dahl, you know, worked for was 97.9, the tickets only cost 98 cents for anyone who brought a record. Um, Mike Veek, who is the, you know, publicity promotion guy, he hired enough uh-huh. security for 35,000 attendees. Okay. Um, 50,000 oh, yeah. ended up showing up. Shit. Uh-huh. And those are just the people who, like, went through the, like, were ticketed. Right. It's assumed that, like, th- a few thousand more snuck in after the no gates were way. closed. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, so it was literally like, no control over this crowd. Yeah. It's like when Bad Bunny was performing at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like I'm watch that happen? The side. I actually think I was at home, like just doing my bullshit. Like I was like, oh, play my crossword puzzle. Like, <laughs> it's a block away. Uh, like, I, don't, I don't know what's going on out there. It's but. fucking bonkers. So... The first baseball game begins at six. Um, it smells like marijuana and beer, and the room is full of teens and young adults, a lot of white men. So Mike Veek gets word that people are jumping the gates to get in. So he sends his security to reinforce the entrance. But now what this does is leave the field unattended. Oh, God. People. Like um, everybody went? All of the security went? Not all of them, but like a fair number, I think. Oh, God. So there were people, they were supposed to like turn in their records to like this box as they entered, but there were people who like the box was full. And so they just start throwing it onto the field. Oh, my God. And designated hitter for the Tigers, Rusty Staub, told his teammates to wear helmets even when playing in the field. Because, quote, it wasn't just one, it was many. God almighty, I've never seen anything so dangerous in my life. Stop. People are just whipping (laughs) records onto the field while they're playing. I was reading it, and I just got this, like, image of, like, a record, like, in someone's head. And I was like, I need to take a break. (laughs) That's literally what I just pictured. I'm like, because you, like, whip it. Yeah, it's like that <laughs> thing like, of, like, if you drop a penny off the Empire State Building. Yeah, you will probably Ugh. kill somebody or whatever they say. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, they're no throwing, thanks. like, like empty bottles and, like, lighters onto the field outside the stadium. The crowds are, like, throwing shit and, like, starting bonfires. Oh, my so, God. The chaos has started, and it's, like, the game just started. <laughs> Like we've been playing for 15 minutes. Literally. It's like they just got out there. Um, So finally, at 8.16 p.m., the game ends. At 8.40, Steve Dahl is scheduled to come out to set some shit ablaze. 
Um, he comes out. He's literally he's, gonna like burn the records. Like he's he. It's dem disco demolition. Like okay. absolutely on the tin. What it says. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so <laughs> he goes onto the field in army fatigues and a helmet, and he's in this jeep like circling the field. And fans okay. are, like, throwing firecrackers and beer at him. And it's, like, the most, like, heterosexual wet dream in the world. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. Get so out of here. he, like, gets to center field. He starts chanting, disco sucks. You know, everyone chimes in. And there were guests who were, like, I just came for the baseball game. I should get out of here. But. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. B- to prevent like people climbing in the guards had padlocked every like entrance except one so people couldn't get out no everyone's just stuck in there oh everyone's my god just fucking stuck in there doll says this is now officially the world's largest anti-disco rally now listen we took all the disco records you brought tonight we got them in a giant box and we're gonna blow them up real good <laughs> Okay, man. Just, wow. He sounds like an incel, to be completely honest. A little, like, also, what a boring, like, demonstration, quote unquote. Yeah, absolutely. The lack of nuance. (sighs) Right? I was actually, like, I think about this all the time when when we're recording, and I'm like, would I, like, would we go to that? Like, it sounds, like, like would we show up to something like that? It sounds super dumb. <laughs> it sounds pretty fratty, this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, All right. Sorry to alienate our frat fans. <laughs> so. Any frat boys out there listening. We still love We're it. not talking about you. <laughs> um, the box full of records explodes, destroyed all the records, and tore a large hole in the outfield. Because, like, duh. Because no shit. Like, you just, set, like, you, you set up a bomb. Something. Like, yeah, of course it did. They're like, like oh, it'll <laughs> probably be fine. Probably won't even brown the grass. Like, no. So, it, it's like a dam broke. And, like, hundreds of people fled the field. Eventually, 7,000 people are on the field at Comiskey After Park. this explosion? Yeah. They're just like, that was the sign. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So stupid. They're like, we hear you. We see you. We we can read between the lines. We stand with you, brother. Oh, God. (laughs) So White Sox pitcher Ken Kravick was like warming up on the mound and he fled and he and his teammates hung out in like a barricaded clubhouse because they were just oh like my God. that fucking scared. People were Yeah, I'm sure they were terrified. People were climbing on the foul poles. People were setting fire to more rec- like records. They were ripping up grass. The batting cage was destroyed. Oh Every base was pulled up and stolen. Oh my god. And the bases go down like pretty far, right? Nail that shit in. <laughs> um yeah. Very weird tidbit, like doesn't fit in with um, the demographic I've created, but actor Michael Whatever. Clark Duncan was there. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's just sitting in the stands like, oh, he, he, he's he, drinking like, a beer. He was like, yeah, I slid into third base and someone stole my silver belt buckle. Oh, God. Okay. So he was what? like, oh, y'all, y'all want to party? Like, I know how to do- party. What are you doing, Michael? <laughs> Wait, you slid into third and your belt buckle like fell off? I or? don't know. I have so, questions for him. There's a bonfire in center field. Michael Clark Duncan, may he rest in peace. Like a oh. legend, honestly, icon. Oh. Um, Bless your heart. There's a bonfire in center field. Uh, by 9.08, uh, almost 30 minutes later, Chicago PD shows up in riot gear. They spend an hour trying to, like, clear the debris and get the field ready to play the second game. <laughs> Are We're still doing that? So, Tiger's that manager. Like yeah, right? We, we should reschedule. <laughs> the manager picture. of the Tiger, Sparky Anderson, was like, I'm not letting my players on this field. No, they're <laughs> holed up in, like, a barricade. I know. 
hiding from the fans right now. I'm not, no. And also it's like either the fans are actively rioting or probably trying to get the fuck out of there. So who are we playing this game for? Right. Oh my God, that's so scary. Yeah. So the Tigers won because of a forfeit because it's like the White Sox did not provide a suitable playing field. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. That is like... The understatement of this <laughs> This isn't a suitable. Well, because why do you say that? Well, there's a fire in the there's middle an of the active bonfire. It's an active bonfire and thousands of fans on the field. So I feel like maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should skip it. this one. Um, yeah, so it wasn't like a very violent riot. Uh, no one died. Uh, the estimates of the injury vary from zero to 39. So, like, okay. when you're looking at 7,000 people on the field, that's pretty... That's actually not bad. Pretty nice. Um, yeah. but Everyone's kind of... just sliding into third, having a exactly. great time. <laughs> Everyone's, like, a little drunk, a little bit like, I don't know why I'm here. I guess I hate Donna <laughs> Summer. <laughs> <laughs> like, how much weed do you have to smoke before you're, like... I actually kind of like Donna Summer. <laughs> actually, like, I do love to love you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. And they're like, yeah, man, we shouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go find a club. <laughs> this shit slaps. <laughs> um, so kind of I think what does live on with this riot is kind of like the conversation and whether or not Disco Demolition, Demolition Night is like inherently racist or homophobic or both so steve Dahl, of course insists it was more like pro rock than anti anything else he claims that he didn't really realize that disco even had this rich you know history History. with its connection to like queer communities of color but um on the other hand rolling stone critic dave marsh described it as, quote, your most paranoid fantasy about where the ethnic cleansing of the rock radio could ultimately lead. He said, white males 18 to 34 are most likely to see disco as the product of homosexuals, blacks, and Latins, and therefore they're most likely to respond to appeals to wipe out such threats to their security. Um, certain artists were comparing it to, like, book burning in Nazi Germany. Oh. Which, yeah, it... I, I I don't think I'm the one who can say, yes, that's a fair comparison or no. Um, right. It feels like a smidgen far, but again, like, it is censorship, you know? Right. And and to me, I'm like, yeah, I don't have any place to make, and I'm like, yeah. oh, well, that comparison seems, but like, anytime somebody's like, compares something to Nazi Germany, I'm like, whoa, 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 <laughs> I'm like, whoa. let's... Let's take it back. Let's hold on a second. Reel it back in. Reel it back in. Because Jesus. Like, so <laughs> oh, I get a little yeah, hesitant yeah. in that way. But um, but yeah, like censorship. Yeah. Okay. And it was like a cultural, like demographic war. And people are like reacting to like, I mean, like now with conversations about like affirmative action and like, mm-hmm you know, our white men are really disenfranchised right now because of how far things have gone. It's kind of like that thing where they're like, oh, black people have a voice on the radio. We're not very happy, you know? Well, and and that's one of the things that I think about a little... Instead of being like anti-whatever it is that's not hurting anybody, uh, why don't you be pro your thing? Yeah. If... If your guy is so, he's like, this is more pro-rock than it is anti-disco, well, then do a pro-rock thing. Exactly. It, it, the, the whole idea that things like need to be broken down just so you can feel heard. Yeah. Or whatever it is. It's like, you're white, dude. You're always going to have it. You're fine. You're fine. Um, yeah. And there was a... A guy who was a part-time usher at the stadium and he brought up he was a a black man and he was like i saw people with not just disco records but like any record by a black artist and that's horrible (laughs) yeah so of course doll is like i'm not a racist homophobe 
Like, the event wasn't anti-racist. It wasn't anti-gay. We're just kids pissing on a musical genre, which, like, I don't know. Whatever the fuck you want to believe about that event in 1979. But the real kind of kicker is that in 2019, the White Sox celebrated the 40th anniversary of Disco Demolition um, with commemorative T-shirts, and they had Stephen Dahl throwing out the first pitch. Shut the fuck up. Are you serious? Like how? They didn't like recognize that for like the disaster that it was. And they're like, listen, let's just move on from that. We can do a bunch of other promo stuff. We have like Instagram now. Things are really easy. <laughs> TikTok maybe exists TikTok, <laughs> Yeah. Like what's, what are people doing about the Super Bowl shuffle? Maybe we do like a version of that. Like who? Harlem Shake, right? <laughs> Yeah, whatever it is. And then, like, we get the whole team to do a TikTok dance. It'll be great. Or we can celebrate this horrible thing that was a absolute shit show. Like, who's in these meetings? Like, you can claim innocence all the fuck you want about something that happened right. in the 1970s. The conversation, though, has happened. Like, there are yeah. scholars who have talked about this night. And you're going to yeah. still be like... Oopsie, it's part of our history. Like, like part of your stop it. Oh my fuck god. Off. Um, fuck off. Yeah. These people are the worst. So that's hey, yeah. disco demolition night. Wow. Um yeah. how much would I have to pay you to play baseball on a field with an active <laughs> fire and records being whipped? It's like the Hunger Games. It's the 78th quarter, Coella. <laughs> Honestly, if you want to do like redo like disco demolition, take like the disco and the record oh burning God. out of it and just be like, do you want to see some gnarly ass shit? Or you, you know see what? grown men run around a field with fire? Look, I'm saying it. This is what disco demolition should be next time we want to do it in another 10 years. Here's what we're going to do we're going to get all the people who love disco and house music and EDM. Invite mm-hmm. them in on, you know, whatever drugs they might be on. Or maybe it's nice. just the drug of a good time. And yep. see what happens if we let them play High baseball. Life, baby. <laughs> Switch it around. I absolutely love this idea. <laughs> well, I had an idea. Well, great job, by the way. Thank you. This is a very good story. Um, I had this idea once upon a time, I think it was back in college, where I was like, oh, we should go extreme golfing. And it was this sport that that I made up where you slam a Red Bull before every hole. And then you run to where your ball is. And you have to play as fast as you can. And then as many um, strokes as you took on that hole, you have to do that many push-ups. And so were you trying to invoke a heart attack? Like, was it like I think a so. diagnostic I think that... test? Like, Yeah, I think this was like my mentality yeah. in college. I was like, well, I am indestructible. I could do this <laughs> easily. So I think what makes oh it really extreme God. is that you might not survive. <laughs> like, all right, I invented Hugger Games. <laughs> The Hunger Games, like, we all think it's this bloodbath with weapons, and instead it's just, like, I don't know, getting teens to do burpees. I know. <laughs> Who vomits first? It's me. <laughs> A stomach full of Red Bull foam. Oh, my God. Oh, God. That's, an, that's a nightmare. Oh, that honestly sounds awful. I think, like, it's just, like, giving me a headache thinking about it. <laughs> A younger like, Amanda. Oh, I know, younger Amanda. She was wild. So, would you like to hear a story? I want to hear a story. Girl, this is... Maybe I don't put this there. Okay. <laughs> Blocks me with this. your cup. I know, I just like put my can right in front of the camera. Um, I'm going to tell you a little tale. Great. I'm going to be covering the L.A. riots of 1992. Yes. So, uh, buckle in, because this shit's 
absolutely wild. Um, yeah, sure. I watched, um, so like there are a couple of my sources are, um, there was a documentary called LA 92. Um, I got information from like Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah. Which I didn't know that was still a thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I will take you back to August 11th, 1965. Oh. oh that, that's exactly right, Hannah. That's not 1992. <laughs> That's right. This was the start of the Watts riots. Okay. So almost 30 years prior, uh, 1965 in L.A., um, Marquette Fry, a 21-year-old African-American man, was pulled over for drunk driving. He fails his sobriety test because he's drunk, and sure. he starts resisting arrest. Mm, nervous. And... While he is resisting arrest, his mom comes out of the house nervous. and starts re- resisting with him. Oh, nervous, nervous. I envision her with like a, a pan or a, a rolling pin or some kind of kitchen utensil. You know what I mean? When your mom comes out of the house and tries to defend you. She's got a kitchen utensil, right? That's... She's in the middle of baking pie, always. Yeah, always. I mean, like... That's, that's She's a woman. Mom. She's constantly baking She's pie. She's a woman. She's in the kitchen. I also think about... I'm like, man, if I had to go out into the street and defend you from somebody, I would... I've got golf clubs, though. Yeah, you do that. golf clubs. Yeah. Go- golf club to the ankle. Just that's pretty good. And that gives you a little distance on the person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, anywho, uh, assistance in resisting with his mother, Rena Fry, um, there is a physical confrontation with the uh, arresting officers in which Marquette Fry was struck with a baton. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, onlookers uh, gathered around and rumors spread that, there, that the police had kicked a pregnant woman who was also present at the scene, which... okay. I had a visceral reaction to that. Do we, you said like rumors spread. That's all I know is that there was like rumors. Okay. That like, there's like documented police brutality. And then, oh, so they're like, oh, I heard she kicked it. Like they kicked a woman. Sure. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not, I'm like, yeah, I buy it. I buy it that they fucking did that. You know, that's yeah. not like my response. I yeah, feel like. But it's not documented. So. Sure. Um, six days of civil unrest followed, um, motivated by um, allegations of police brutality, which we know is very, sure. very real. Uh, nearly 14,000 members of the California National Guard helped suppress the, the Watts riots, which resulted in 34 deaths and $40 million in property damage. Oh, jeez. And this was the city's worst civil unrest until... 1992. The 1992 riots and Rodney King. Sure. Okay. That name might sound really familiar to you because his name is all over this riot. So, 30 years, we cut to 30 years in the future. About. Uh, Racial tensions have been high for 30 years. Yeah. Police brutality remains a constant for 30 years. Oh, and it will for another 30. And oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And we can tell you from the future. Oh, check my wa- my pocket watch. What time is it? It's time for <laughs> Just, no change at all. <laughs> no change. Oh, amazing. Despite. The, Do I have a quarter okay, in my pocket? No, I have no change. <laughs> <laughs> Girl. God damn it. You're the cutest, aren't you? <laughs> God damn. So, so uh, Rodney King was involved in an eight-mile high-speed chase, at the end of which he was severely beaten. And the reason we know this visual sight is because a neighbor saw something going out on the street where he was finally stopped mm. um, and took his big-ass camera... <gasps> Oh my god. Cuz it's 1992 and the camera has to hold like a VHS tape in it and it's like it's like 3 feet long. Yeah. Probably it weighs like 30 
pounds, something like that. It's like huge fucking thing you have to carry on your shoulder, right? Yeah. Was this like the first time police brutality is like video documented? I don't think or it was like the what? first time, okay. but it was like the most like widely spread because like sure. that video like made it to the news and it sure. was just and I'm gonna get into this a little bit later but like the actual videos that were taken from whether it was like reporters or just uh standers by like people had cameras like my mom had this kind of camera when we were kids yeah and I know she had to like put a big ass it was like a vcr but that you held on top of your shoulder and um a a neighbor comes out and videotapes the whole thing and he's severely beaten but not killed which is not to say anything other than like he makes it through this beating uh sergeant in charge stacy coon who sounds like a like a lispy like Daffy Duck? You hear him talk. Like I watched a documentary. Right? Yeah, you know this, LA ninety two. And he's like, he's they have him in court. Like rewatch the tape, and he's like, he's just he's just brutal. I don't know what to tell you. It's so so sad and brutal. And I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, is that Anna Devere Smith <laughs> right here with me right now with that spot on recreation? <laughs> Well, and I was like, is this guy a police officer? Because he was like, Miss, Miss, you can't, you can't drink that beer outside. I'm like, what? I'm like, the fuck I can't. The fuck I can't drink this beer outside. What are you, like, so he, he admits that the scene is brutal in the beating that he was a part of. Sure. So during the year that it took to get through the trial of four officers, because obviously they're indicted. Tensions, racial tensions grow even higher. Yeah. Grow higher? Grows higher. Either one you works. It. They go up. And this is horrible. I'm so, so sorry I'm doing this to you. I don't know why I chose this story. Yeah. Like, this is <laughs> I mean, awful. I think it's good to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I'm going to tell you all about it. So a Korean store owner, Soon Ja Du, shot and killed a 15-year-old Latasha Harlins mm, after geez. I know after Sunja thought that Latasha might be about to steal an orange juice. Jeez, what the fuck? Dude, what the fuck? And as the story goes on, like I can feel like it bubbling to the surface. Yeah. Like, I can feel everything just like my chest is like getting tighter and tighter and I'm like something it, you can feel it. Obviously, I know what's going to happen, but, like, I I don't know. So, despite um, Latasha having money in her hand to try to pay for the orange juice and then getting into, like, an altercation with um, Soonja, and she tries to walk out of the store without the orange juice, and Soonja <laughs> shot Latasha in the back of the head. <gasps> Are you fucking kidding me right now? insane to me. That is... I, I, I'm like... I, I don't know what you would, what kind of headspace you would need to be in where you're like, oh, she's leaving. Let me just shoot her in the back of the head just to make sure. Like, oh, girl, it gets worse. So this was very unhelpful for the racial tensions that's going on. Um, you know, the Rodney King beating. And then there's like, um, you know, tension between like uh Korean and African American groups. Yeah. Um, which is not made better by this. And uh, she goes, or she gets arrested for murder. Yeah. And is found guilty by a jury of first degree manslaughter. Okay, first degree manslaughter. It's not first degree murder, but. Manslaughter is accidental, right? Yes. And murder is intentional. Yes. I think and there that's. Are, like, Simple, simple. Yeah, simple little like yeah. note. Um, yeah. So I don't know why she gets. I mean, I could probably look into why she gets found with first degree manslaughter. Um, but then hearing the uh, the judgment from the from the jury, Soonja is just set free by the judge, by this white lady judge. She's like, she's not a criminal. 
I know a criminal when I see one and she's not. Just let go. And I didn't actually know you could do that as a judge. Like the jury comes back with a verdict and, and you're just like, I don't agree. Well, I guess if the jury decides on a verdict and then maybe they can't agree on like a punishment because the jury also has to like, I guess, be unanimous on that. Agree on like a sentence, right? Yeah. Um, whoa. I know. And so how do you think the black community felt about this? Well, I would imagine not great. Not great. You and me sitting here 30 years later. I I am angered by this. Yeah. I can't even imagine what they were feeling. Like, it, yeah. I, I'd be incensed. So meanwhile, so things are just like, beginning to boil yeah Uh, meanwhile the trial of the four police officers involved in the brutal beating of rodney king has been moved out of la which is a pretty diverse place to a white neighborhood called simi valley fuck off so the jury is all white i cannot believe this is even allowed to happen like or was allowed to happen uh the jury consisted of 10 whites whites it feels weird to say whites um one asian and one hispanic american cut to april 29th 1992 it's verdict day and everybody is watching the tv at this point did rodney king survive oh yes he okay had um like obviously he was pretty fucked up but, like, yeah. he had to have, like, reconstructive f- surgery on his face. Like, I think they broke a couple bones. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but he has recovered. Ugh. The whole city's on edge. The whole city is watching the television. And the verdict comes in. Do you want to guess? For the four police officers? Yeah. Let me guess not fucking guilty? Not fucking guilty. I don't know. It's it's a little, like, wild to me that I'm shocked. Mm-mm. I, it, because we've we've been seeing so much of it lately and like in today's day and age with you know everything being able to be filmed um and people still getting off scot-free i know i i know i shouldn't be shocked but like it it just it still feels like a slap every time and like again can't imagine what it feels like to be black and and these things like yeah and um it, it is amazing that I'm still surprised. Like, I shouldn't be. I know what's going to happen. I know mm-hmm. that, like, police can kill an unarmed black person with little to no repercussions. And we see it happen all the time. So, but it's just one of those things, like, as an eternal optimist, you're like, maybe someone will be brought I know. to justice. And so you have that hope. It's like, maybe, yeah, maybe this time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're just like, you have that, you're like, maybe this time, like, something will be fair. Mm -hmm. But this time, no. Yeah. So, the NAACP is very vocal during this time. LA Mayor Tom Bradley, he ain't having it either. He is not pleased. He is, yeah. And I'm, like, Tom Bradley, he seemed like he was... He's pretty upset about this, too. He said, quote, and he's LA's first African-American mayor. So he said, quote, Today that jury asked us to accept the senseless and brutal beating of a helpless man. And I'm here to tell that jury no. Mm -hmm. And then shit went wild. So this is actually, like, so this was like the... The lead up. Impetus? 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 Mm. It's one of those words. Not impotent, that's for sure. <laughs> I know which word it isn't. It's not the soft dick. Not the chronic soft dick. Um, I mean, it might incident? be if you're... Yeah, yes, yeah. I like that. Inciting incident. LAPD headquarters are stormed by protesters. Chanting guilty and no justice, no peace. Which you'll probably remember were the like the no justice, no peace. Yeah, was still today is what still today. Yeah, we use um, the first aim church invites leaders and politicians for peaceful protest. Well, inside they're talking about peace, and outside people are 
losing it. They're enraged. Yeah. And you get to see all of this footage. Like, all of this news camera footage is in this documentary. If you want to watch, it's it's very well done. And it, is but this, it didn't... Was this church a predominantly black church or predominantly? Yes. Okay. Predominantly black church. Um, I, uh, yeah, I won't say what kind it was, but I know for sure it was called the First AIM Church. A-M-E. Yeah. Um, so it didn't take long for people to start standing in traffic and then marching through the streets, which we're like cool with. Absolutely. Like I've marched through the streets. It's great. <laughs> but then <laughs> there's a standoff uh, between like the black community and police at Florence and Normandy. At this point, police are ordered to retreat. Okay. Now, this is a little bit of foreshadowing because when the police are told to retreat from these certain situations, that also means that people who need help just straight up can't get it. Sure. And it happens like emergency services. Exactly. So I'll tell you more about that. But um, this part is honestly, this is one of the craziest parts um, in watching this. Uh, People are standing in the streets stopping white drivers and pulling them out of their cars and assaulting them. People are throwing rocks and bottles. Uh, There's a little bit of video that says, oh, no, he's Mexican. Let him through. Let him through. But they'll stop other people. So at this intersection, um, anyone, it goes from like let him through to pretty much anybody who stops their car at this intersection gets attacked. Yeah. And you see a couple of like awful attacks from helicopters and ground reporters. And uh, this one uh, image was a very like splashed around. Uh, live television coverage captured an assault on a white truck driver, Reginald Denny. And his truck was just stopped. They pulled him out. Uh, smashed his head with a cinder block mm-hmm. and he was rescued by people from the neighborhood who had been watching the whole thing unfold in on television so like I can't even imagine we're just sitting at home and we're like and that's what's on that's the news my, that's my block uh, like <laughs> shit like oh that's my house oh that's my house wave hi oh my god that guy just got murdered outside like and it was like kind of disturbing to see like television footage Oh, I'm like, sure. Like, I just saw a guy get killed. Like, yeah. I don't... As much true crime as I listen to, I don't often see someone get smashed in the face with a brick. Yeah. And just like, So, it became one of the most enduring images of the riots, but he wasn't the only one. So, yeah, I uh, saw, you know, in this documentary, a couple murders. Um, then the fires start, as they do in a riot. When you're not yeah. pulling people out of their cars and smashing them with cinder blocks. There, there's a guy, and it's so crazy, too, because people will look... <laughs> like, the difference between now and then, like, when somebody's filming you doing something that you shouldn't be doing, you try to, like... Yeah. Because they could be live streaming it. They could be, you know, whatever. This video can go everywhere immediately. People are looking dead into the camera and being like, yep. This is what's up. Yeah, I imagine there's also a fair amount of, like, like vindication, you know, and, like, you know, this idea of, like, wanting to, like, make a statement of, like, yeah, this is what, this is what happens. Like, this is what goes yeah. down. Yeah. And I understand. Like, yeah, it's, it's so hard because it's, like, truly such a horrific thing that's happening. But yeah. it's, like the response is so justified and then there's like uh, uh, well and this is why it's like such a disaster because they start burning businesses right mm. looting businesses burning businesses and you see like spray painted on the side of some businesses like black owned so like mm. maybe they'll leave those businesses alone interesting but they don't like some of them are fine, but some of them still get looted, still get burned yeah. down. Um, and it's horrible because, you know, you see this 
you know, older man just break. He's like, I came from the ghetto too. You're doing this to me. I am one of you. Aww. Like, and you just see him like break. And I was like, oh, yeah. I just, oh, it was an absolute disaster. So Koreatown is hit really hard by fires. Yeah, like, sure. a, there's so many fires, just so many, and the police and the firefighters aren't around. The firefighters tried to go in, but they're super overwhelmed and they're the victim of like sniper shootings. <gasps> oh, fuck. so yeah. So they're like, everyone's told to like stand down. So there's no firefighters, no cops coming to help anybody who actually yeah. needs to be helped. And it's so interesting because you say like the police were told to stand down. And at first I'm like, oh, like that's in some ways like you know, seeding this, like, the way for this, like, I I don't think that was a protest. It does feel truly like a riot. Um, right. But it's it actually almost feels like an act of violence to tell the police to stand down. Yeah. You know, because it's, you know, no, we're denying you emergency services, and we're denying you help, and we're cutting you off and, from that service. And it's crazy, too, because... Um, and, like, there is a lot of political stuff in the background that's, like, you know, um, the police chief, he's a very controversial guy, um, like, would kind of make these, like, subtle threats that, like, mm. if you criticize me or the police force, then we just won't supply you with these things. So it was, like, it's interesting that you say that because, like, yeah, yeah that was a thing. And then you hear on, like, the radio, because everybody's listening to the radio, you hear them be, like, Hey, South Central, no one's coming. Oh, fuck. And that is just, they're like trying to speak to the people of these neighborhoods and they're like, no one's coming. So if you need help, just get out of that area. Yeah. Just try to get out. Yeah. Like, it wow. was absolutely nuts. So Koreatown is hit extra hard by arson and looting. So they do the natural thing and they start arming themselves with semi automatic weapons oh rifles dude it just like it spins so much for you're like well this is the worst it could get right it's, no <laughs> so so there's no police or firefighter presence in these neighborhoods so you have armed korean shop owners mm -hmm. literally getting into shootouts in the streets and one officer once the police were finally allowed to go back in uh, he said that it, th he said this is worse than being in Vietnam. But in Vietnam, I was mm. allowed to shoot back. Ooh. Well, <sighs> sorry, this one's heavy. Oh my god. Uh, I, you know, we're doing. We we decided to do riots. We we cannot <laughs> do this one. This was such a bad idea. So my whole thing with that was he was like, "This is worse than being in Vietnam," and I was like. Vietnam was in the 60s. This is the 90s. That was 30 years ago. Also, that thing of, like, at least in Vietnam, I was allowed to shoot back. It's like I did not like that. It's like, yeah, I wish I could shoot these civilians. I know. I was like, that's all I heard you say was, I wish I could shoot these people. Like, like, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's literally what I thought, too. I was like, don't, don't like that. You could have said, it's worse than Vietnam. Period. Yeah, right. Period. Not like <laughs> just inside thoughts, please. So Governor Pete Wilson dis declares L.A. a state of emergency. Oh, uh, naturally. And President Bush dispatches 6,000 troops. And a dusk to dawn curfew is enforced. You see yeah. like the cops driving down the street be like, go home, get off yeah. the street, go home. Um and he, and then Bush declares uh, L.A. a federal disaster zone, which... Holy shit. You know the words I'm looking for? I'm like, yeah, disaster zone. <laughs> so, how'd this whole thing end? Well, yeah, the dusted on curfew was very effective. Okay. Um, after several days of rioting and a lot of damage, uh, 50 people were killed. More than 2,300 were injured and thousands oh. were arrested. Uh, about 1,100 buildings were damaged, and total property damage was about $1 billion. Jeez. Yeah. In this documentary, you see, like, there's so much footage of 
the city's like on fire. It's yeah. They want to say it's like uh, located to like uh, South Central, but like oh, the bad neighborhoods are the only ones. Like no, it's all over the yeah. place. But finally, things kind of calm down. In June, Daryl Gates, the police chief, mm-hmm. who is like honestly such a hateable character too. He a flop. Yeah, like you. Every, <laughs> every time I see his dumb fucking face, I'm like, this guy sucks. I yeah. can tell he sucks. Like he's just <laughs> like you know you get that vibe. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he was later taken to task for his response in the riots. Uh, in an inf- official ev- investigation headed by William Webster. Uh, so an FBI investigation, essentially. Yeah. And it, he was forced to resign. Um, okay. Well, I, I will say, again, with ex- with probably expecting the worst, did not expect that. Did not expect that. <laughs> kind of expected him to get a medal. Yeah, almost. right? You know what I mean? Like, kind of expected him to get, like, a pay bump. Uh, no, no, no. You're absolutely right. I was like, oh, well, at least he was forced out but this is kind of a bummer um in the wake of the riots uh bradley mayor bradley um chose not to run for a sixth term yeah because he was really bummed the fuck out ultimately uh rodney king received 3.8 million dollars in a settlement from los angeles okay good and uh after Two of the officers who had beaten him were convicted in a civil suit. So, what have we learned? As my therapist would say. But what did you learn? (laughs) I love that. Well, that things Uh, don't really change very much. Yeah. But we did learn a little bit of history. Yeah, I don't know. I think a lot about, like, the protests in 2020, in the summer of 2020, Mm -hmm. where people were so quick to, like, call those riots. And it's like... I, I was thinking the same thing. I was I like, don't, are I you don't, kidding me? I think not. That, that shit was like a little backyard barbecue compared to yeah. the actual riots. Like, yeah. I remember when that was happening and I was like, yeah, people are angry. Of course they're angry. Like, yeah. they deserve to express and, like, go protest and whatever. And people, I remember the Best Buy in Midtown had, like, the the wood, um, like, the plywood Sure. Up over the windows and stuff like that. But that was like nothing, nothing happened compared to this. You know, also there's like that, uh, that idea of like the idea that you have to be the model minority to like get your voice heard is so disheartening. And like, yeah, as, as, as scary as the LA riots I'm sure were, it's like, Mm. I, I don't know. It sucks that it's like. I don't know what I'm saying. We maybe just cut all this out. <laughs> My whole sentence. No, as I'm like patient. I'm like, yes. Take your time. I don't know. No, I love you. Whatever just... you're going to say is going to be brilliant and smart. <laughs> you know, we, at the end of the day, we are two white women, like, talking about this event. And, like. Well, and and I think about this a lot, too. And I'm like, who am I to even talk about this? Yeah, right. Like, but it is history. Exactly. So. And it's something that I either didn't know about or learned about and forgot. And I think it's important to remember. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, if you, if anybody wants to see a little bit more of the the footage that I saw, uh, LA 92, it's yeah. like $4 to rent on Amazon Prime. So Amazing. Yeah, check it out. Uh, what an absolute shitstorm. Yeah, jeez. Uh, Hopefully in 30 years, things will be better. I know, right? Catch up with us in another 30. Um, let's see how <laughs> things go. Yeah, um, yeah, my money like, is we'll on... keep you updated. <laughs> my money's on... Probably not. My money's on minuscule change. <laughs> yeah, and like, listen, I'm really hoping. And you know hoping. what, guys? By that time, the world's going to be on fire. So... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. New York's going to be swallowed up by, like, the Hudson or something. Yeah. I can't believe I have to, like, before I lived in New York City, I was like, okay, if if coastlines rise, I think I'll be fine. 
And now I live in the city and I don't think I'm fine anymore. (laughs) And now I worry about it constantly. And now it's affecting me personally. So it's a problem. (laughs) Well, listen, you voted. Uh, Yes. So, yes. You know, you're doing all you can to keep those water levels down. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, worst case scenario is I have an exit strategy to get out of the city. Great. Yep. I'll hop on. I'll come scoop you up. Yeah. And be like, Hannah, you carry this machete. (laughs) Let's go. Is it a raft? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like get in the raft. Uh, (laughs) It's going to be great. The apocalypse is going to be great. (laughs) We'll have to like raid a liquor store or something like that. So like. Exactly. There's a close one to When we have to camp out, we can at least be like, oh. Remember when we had electricity and we had a podcast? Oh, Everything is on fire, but I'm wasted. <laughs> but a little buzz ain't gonna hurt. Okay. Everything's on fire, including this fat doobie. <laughs> Let's just make sure we have like, oh my God. I just had this vision of like me getting caught with like a ton of marijuana and they'd be like... <laughs> This is distribution, like this intent to sell. I'd be like, no, it's for the apocalypse. It's for personal use. <laughs> I'm a hoarder. I'm a hoarder. Don't you understand? Come see my apartment. No. Well, that was <sighs> rough. Thank um, you. You did. You did a wonderful job of well, making thank it. Thank you for listening to me. Concise and <laughs> I'm sure, like making a lot of information, like at least a little bit concise, is like I can't imagine how how much information you have. I know. I had to really weed through like a lot of it. And I was like, oh, should I talk about this part? Should I talk about this part? Like it was, bam. Do we need to do good news after that one? (laughs) I mean, we can. I've got a, I've got something simple. I'm like, can I pull something out of my ass? Well, I can tell you (laughs) that I had a baby nephew. (gasps) Oh my God. Show me the picture again. (laughs) I know it's an audio medium, but people can just suck it. He's Look at that little face. I know. He's, when I saw the first picture of him, I was like, he's so white. It's like he's never seen the sun. So strange. Huh. Well, you know, no, babies he's... are too fresh and they're ugly. <laughs> yeah, I was like, he's pale as hell. I'm like, I know his parents are white and he's oh, he has literally never seen the sun, but like, I thought he'd be more... I don't know. <laughs> Tan? <laughs> I thought they'd at least bronze him up on the way out. I know, right? But I was like, put a little rouge or something. I don't know. <laughs> but no, he is absolutely perfect. And uh, and everybody's recovering nicely. You know how you recover from being born? It's called life. <laughs> I was like more thinking of mom. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No. She is recovering nicely as well, but good. good. That makes me happy. Yeah. Yay. So yeah, life's good. What about you? You know what? <laughs> so, um, the cafe I work at now in the city slash used to work at because I just quit. Um, <laughs> nice. I gave him two weeks. That's great. Um, but one of the regulars came in today and gave me this a scarf. <laughs> That she had made me. And on one end, it's also supposed to be like a hat. Love it. Love everything about it. That's so awesome. And I'm obsessed with it. Um, She's so cute. I love her. That's adorable. Oh, man. I want a hat slash scarf. I know. She was like, this way you'll never lose your hat. And I was like, that hasn't been a big problem in my life. But now it won't be. (laughs) <laughs> now it's definitely not gonna be but what if i lose the whole thing and then i lose my scarf and my hat <laughs> what then she'd be then like then I you're do? a fucking idiot like she, <laughs> she would say that to me <laughs> i know but hey <laughs> but you're not supposed to know i know so jesus what are you my mom oh well oh well great job you as well that was a big one yeah. um well do you want to tell everybody where to like find us follow us i do um we yeah. are at disastrous pod on instagram 
On Twitter, we are at Disastrously Pod. Uh, if Twitter still if, exists by the I know, time I was this like, comes out. If that's still a thing, I have only seen like a test, like multiple, multiple Tesla blue check accounts. Jeez. And they just wiling out over there. Oh my God, it's so dumb. Um, and you can email us at disastrouspod at gmail.com. Uh, mm-hmm. We want to hear your good news, your bad news, your disasters, personal and otherwise. Um, you know, just things that made you smile, things that made you chuckle. Um, along with that, someone did DM us on Instagram. I don't know if really? you saw this. So no. someone who listens all the time. I love her. Hi, Leah. Um, she DM'd us and was like, I was listening to your one of your like spooky episodes. And when you were uh-huh. talking about like the hauntings, she was like, I heard a voice. Stop and it. then I like rewinded what? 15 seconds and it like wasn't there, I guess. <gasps> so it's oh like my God, our spooky. podcast about being haunted was haunted. <laughs> which is the best news that's ever. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's the coolest. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, hi, Leah. Keep DMing us. And also we are going to do a Thanksgiving episode. Yes. Thanksgiving is rife with disasters oh i'm so excited i'm so excited so if anybody wants to send in your thanksgiving disaster yeah i'd love to do at least one personal (laughs) we gotta share at least one or two personal stories (laughs) absolutely um that gives me like not your uncle getting like third degree burns from putting like a frozen turkey into a vat of boiling oil but it doesn't give me joy, but I do want to hear about it. So. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, yes, follow us on all those things. Feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we love you and respect you, and we will uh, catch you on the flippy floppy. Bye. Bye.